Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. Not a lot of news with the Cubs, particularly, but there's a lot of news around baseball. And we have the CubsCon coming on this weekend. So we do have some stuff to talk about. We also have a fun little game we're going to play later on in this show, which could spark some good debate about the Cubs' recent past. So we'll do that after we touch on a few other things. So stick around. We got a lot to talk about. Adam, how are you? Fantastic. Good to hear. Is it really cold by you right now? Because here in Chicago, it's in like the teens and it's miserable. Oh, yeah, it is. It is a uh, brisk 15 degrees here right now. And uh, we're it's looking like we're going to get hit with some some winter storms tomorrow. So, yeah, Us too. It's, yeah, it's it's a winter wonderland over here. It's nice and cold just the way I hate it. Well, tis the season, and the other funny thing, too, is we have spring training coming up pretty fast. I mean, pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting pretty soon, so it's coming, and the Cubs have yet to spend a single dollar on a major league player in free agency. We're not counting arbitration deals. That doesn't count. They were tendered contracts. They were not free agents. So not a single penny has been sent. On a free agent. Not yet. Hopefully soon, though. I'd like to think that it's taken this long because they wanted to wrap up all the arbitration cases first before they went out and spent money. Because, I mean, you gotta, you have to be sure that you've got Javi and, and Bryant and Contreras all locked up first before you go out and spend on anybody else. But Or at, at least that's the situation the Cubs are in. It's it, They shouldn't be that far in the hole that they have to get arbitration done before they can start signing guys. But even when they do, I, I it's going to be you know, small-name guys. They're not going to make a big splash. Uh, I think you'll, you'll see them maybe shore up the bullpen a little bit and maybe get some infield depth, but nothing major is going to happen, I wouldn't think. Well, I think one of the biggest things, too, is the Bryant grievance, which still has not been solved. And Soon, remember, though. Yeah, that's what Soon we've been hearing say. for a yeah. while. We've been hearing that for a while. This was filed in 2015. Yeah. Five years. Five it, years of this. It just boggles my mind. It really does. I... I just hope it's resolved as soon as possible because it seems to be holding things back. And I guess I have a question for you really quick. Okay. Do you think, because we heard rumors about this on Chicago Sports Radio, I don't know how reliable they are. We heard it maybe a few weeks back. But as you've noticed, Nick Castellanos hasn't signed anywhere. The Rangers are interested, but nothing has really materialized. Do you believe the fact that he's waiting out on the Cubs? I I could buy that, sure. But I think that also partially depends on you know where the cubs are actually at financially uh i mean it, it would make sense to me that he's been off the market this long uh or i i should say that he he's been on the market this long it would make sense to me that he's waiting for the cubs but having said that i think the cubs offer is going to have to be pretty close to whatever the highest bidder is i don't think he would take too much of a discount just to stay with the cubs not a Scott Boris client. That's not happening. No, no. And, and you know, he's just, you know, he, he's deserving of a big payday coming up here. And so if the Cubs are, are far and away from whoever the highest bidder is, I, I think he, he probably would bypass the Cubs. But the fact that he's waited this long, he's been, he's been here this long, I, I suppose should give some people uh, a bit of hope that that may still be a possibility. Personally, I'm not holding my breath on that one. I don't see the Cubs being the team to get him. And quite frankly, if he does sign with Chicago, I think it'll be the White Sox. Yeah, I mean, I could kind of see that, but I also think... I'm not saying I think he's going to the White Sox. I just think the White Sox are more likely than the Cubs at this point. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Another thing I wanted to bring up with Chris Bryant is... We just saw Josh Donaldson sign a pretty significant deal. And I mean significant in terms of the team he signed with, with the Twins. So that means he did not re-sign with the Braves and he did not go to the Nationals. So as we all guessed, 
the talk is the Braves and Cubs have rejuvenated their talks about Chris Bryant. But to me, it looks like the two sides are not even close on what they'd want for each. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of this is also going to depend on whether or not Bryant wins that grievance. That's an extra year of control that you're getting for him. But honestly, I really haven't. I haven't really liked any of the the, the scenarios that I've seen, the things floated out there, uh, trade scenarios for Bryant. I haven't really been interested in any of them. They all look really dull to me. I don't know about yeah. you. No, I, I feel the same way, and I think most Cubs fans feel the same way as well. And if people are asking, why is the asking price so high? Um, because, because it's, it's Chris, Chris Bryant. Bryant. Yeah, and I think you know part of this, I think, too, is that just – the type of player that Chris Bryant is, any any package around just prospects, whether they're elite prospects or not, it's going to feel underwhelming, I think, just because you're giving away Chris Bryant. And so obviously you're going to feel like you should be getting a King's Ransom for him, but that's not going to be the case. And even if you're looking for some prospects, which you're going to get in a hypothetical Chris Bryant trade, you also need established big leaguers as well. You got to have a little of both because one or the other is probably not going to do it because no one's going to trade away a guy equally as good or better than Chris Bryant for Chris Bryant. And you're not no. going to trade away Chris Bryant and expect a bunch of mediocre MLBers. You need a mix of solid to good MLB ready players and some highly touted prospects. You're going to need both. But I guess the question is, are the Cubs in a position where doing that is what's best for the future? I mean, does, do they Not really right now, feel? I don't think. I don't think so either. I think that they can and should win now. And to me, trading Chris Bryant at this point in time is waving the white flag before 2020 season even kicks off. Right. There is a difference between punting a season before you've even started and waving the flag when it's July 18th and you're 10 games out. Yeah. That's a completely different scenario, which could be a possibility, but it also might not. I mean, my feelings towards the Cubs right now, if I break down the roster as they are, I think if you break it down with core four, immediate supporting cast, position players, so like the other starters on the everyday playing field, the bench, the bullpen, the starting rotation. I think you have a great core four: Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Contreras. You have a good immediate supporting cast. So Hayward is good. Schwarber is good. Victor Caratini is good. Nico Horner has the potential to be good. And then the bench is dreadful. The starting rotation is Eh, I don't think it's terrible, but it's not great. And the bullpen, I don't want to say the bullpen's good, but I do think it will be better than last year. So you look at that and you say, well, it's a low bar. You can though. see them. It's it is a low bar. You look at that and say, I don't feel confident. I don't think they'll be great. But do they have an outside shot with that core? Because the core is very good. Sure, but for them to make a long run in my opinion a lot is going to have to go right everyone is going to have to play to their level everyone's going to have to stay healthy and in season they're going to have to complement some moves with the appropriate moves whether it's early in the season or at the trade deadline a lot has to go right yeah and you know i think that the bullpen is the biggest question mark to me because the rotation i i think I think the rotation can be better than I than people are assuming. I I, I don't know why, but but people seem to be uh, bracing for an absolute catastrophe out of the rotation. I don't necessarily see it that way. You know, just think if you get a full season uh, from Darvish the way he pitched the second half of last year, that's that's mm -hmm. a huge difference maker. Uh, Kyle Hendricks will probably do what he's done his entire career. He'll have a slow start maybe, and then he'll pick things back up and be consistent again. 
Quintana can be better than he's been. I, I don't think anybody's expecting that, nor am I. But I, I think it has it has the potential to be a decent rotation. I don't think that it's going to to be bad. Um, that's certainly not a guarantee. The bullpen is the biggest thing to me, and and obviously the uh, the the positional depth too is oh it's a, terrible is a big concern, and how they go about addressing that. I don't know. Uh, there's not a whole lot of guys, not a lot of intriguing guys left on the market. I don't know who you trade for. But I agree with your your primary point, though, that the core of this team is good enough to be competitive in the National League. And I think that there's a case to be made that they've underperformed the last couple of years, and so it's not necessarily far-fetched to think that they could be a lot better this year than they've been in the past. So... I don't think it's it's a complete catastrophe. I th- I think that the Cubs could surprise some people. I don't see them winning just seventy five games like some people think they will. Right now, if you ask me where they are, I say kind of low mid eighties right now. That's with most people healthy, with a lot of people playing to their level. Because there's always going to be some people who regress a little bit. Then you're going to have your sprinkled in heroes here or there. All right. I- on the rotation, I kind of did a prediction article for Cubby's Crib projecting the top four because the five is kind of a toss-up right now. It could be Chatwood. It could be Mills. It could be Colin Ray. It could be someone they take in down the line. Basically, the way I look at it is, yeah, Darvish, if he does what he did last year in the second half, we're in good shape. Kyle Hendricks, I have no doubt he will put up some very good numbers. John Lester does worry me, but I also think that even if John Lester is similar to what he did last year, that's not great. That's not terrible either. That's serviceable. And I think Quintana, Quintana last year had a weird year. He had a 385th, despite the ERA being like in the mid fours. He had some tough luck against him. I don't want to say he was great. I don't want to say he was an all-star. But I do think he pitched better than the initial numbers will tell you. I also think he had more good stretches than bad. The thing with Quintana is he will have a lot of quality starts. He will give you so many quality starts. But every year you go and pick out 5 out of 15, or more like 5 out of 20. 5 out of 20 starts where the rest of them are solid, good, or great. And then there's this 5, this small percent that are so unbelievably awful, everything is just ballooned like crazy. Yeah, and I mean, we, we all expected John Lester to, to perform more like a fifth starter this year. And, right. You know, that's hopefully, and you know, he's obviously, he's going to be getting paid a lot more than your typical five starter would, but we all expected this to be the case by 2020. This should not come as a surprise to anyone uh, so yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, I, I think this is a a serviceable rotation that can get the job done. I think that they really they just need to buckle down and do well enough until the trade deadline, keep a minute enough until that point, and then maybe the Cubs actually get aggressive and try to add to it uh, to to some degree, get like a mid tier level guy. Then I think that that takes care of that concern. But they gotta they gotta perform well enough to start though for that to happen. Absolutely. Now we're going into CubsCon this weekend. The feelings are pretty frustrated from the fans, and I think a lot of us who are talking on shows like this, or are writing columns in the newspaper, or just our regular old fans, no matter who you are, if you pay attention to the Cubs. You know that this convention is not going to be like previous ones, and we're all having our concerned feelings right now. We're all sharing kind of a common eh, about this season. Like, you know, you've been pretty optimistic, I think, and I think uh, we can look at best-case scenario. But I think the way last year ended with the way we haven't made any moves, there is the reasons for concern, and my expectations are probably lower than they've been since 2014 Because every year since then, when they were coming together in 2015, I had big expectations. Not as big as they ended up being, but I had them. 2016, I expected them to compete for World Series. They did. 2017, initially they started off really slow, but 
they were hung over and then they got together made it to the nlcs 2018 i expected really big and i expected really big that year they won 95 games but we all know how that ended and then last year i thought they were going to kind of redeem things even without a lot of the moves and i think they proved that the core as it was of not just the, the core four but the team itself was just not good enough to make a long run anymore so now that they haven't made any changes the expectations are are lower for me and i think for a lot of people right now we're going to this convention saying all right there's no ricketts panel there's no new signings that we can be excited about we don't really expect any surprises in that term I think the most we'll hear is maybe something about Marquis finally getting Xfinity. I mean, that's that still hasn't been worked out yet. But I don't see any surprise signings happening at CubsCon this year. No. No, I don't, I don't either. I mean, to me, the the primary reason to even have CubsCon is is for kids anyway. I mean, we've we've been down this road before, my thoughts on CubsCon, but... No, I'd, I I would hope that nobody's expecting some sort of huge groundbreaking announcement from CubsCon. Maybe they'll change to Ultra Jumbo Vienna Weenies at the concession stand. Right, there you go. We're not, we're not talking the regular old Jumbo Dog. We're talking about the Jumbo Jumbo Dog. That's why they can't afford players. They got to sell and, those big weenies. And you know what? If that's the reason, then I'm fine with it. You know, players can can come second to the big weenies, as far as I'm concerned. Of course, the big weenie wants the big weenie on this show. Shocking. Hey, I'm Weenie Hut Jr.'s over here. Hey, you wear it with pride, my friend. Absolutely. So do you think at CubsCon this year, it's going to be a little awkward with Chris Bryant, with all this trade talk going on, with the grievance and all that? It's It's going to be weird. Um... Uh, it could be. I, I mean, I guess it, it depends how people approach it. I mean, I would hope that not too many people are going to look for him and, and bring that up. That would be stupid to do. You know uh, what's going to happen. You know the reporters are going to ask him about the trade rumors and whatnot. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, but when they do, you know, he'll give the, the vanilla rehearsed answer, and which will be kind of a non-answer, like, we'll figure that out when it happens, and, right, and, yeah, I, I don't see, I don't see anything, you know, too attention-grabbing happening in regards to that, and there's, I, I think he'll just kind of brush it off the way players normally do with that sort of stuff. Maybe they'll be too distracted by the big weenie news. Yeah, and I mean, it's really just not, Chris Bryant's personality to to publicly be brutally honest about something like that either. So he can't I, be. He can't be. Like I, I bet you, no. Scott Boris is telling him don't. Oh Maybe yeah, I probably at least he trusts him not to. He's probably like, hey, you probably know this, but don't. Because I think I think Boris does know Chris Bryant is smart enough not to do that. Yeah, and and. I, it just doesn't seem like Chris Bryant anyway to do that. He just doesn't really have that kind of personality that he would publicly roast the Cubs in that setting. No, no. Especially if there is still the hope or the possibility that there could be a contract extension. Right. I mean, if he was going to elaborate on that, then he would have already done so already. But we we don't ever really get any sort of in-depth comment from him on that. So that's not going to change. So I just saw this quote from Jordan Bestane from Anthony Rizzo. And he said, he won't be lobbying for leadoff role this spring. Says his ankle should hopefully be back to 100% by the time he reports to camp. Still doing rehab work to strengthen it. So Rizzo's ankle doesn't appear to be 100% right now. I mean, while he seems optimistic that it will be, eh, not the thing I want to hear, but you got to hope it's okay. I mean, that, that ankle injury was nasty. Yeah. It as, was nasty. As if Cubs fans needed another reason to 
to uh, be down in the dumps. That that's not what you want to hear at all. No, but he seems to be in good spirits, and hey, maybe he will be all right. Maybe he's just taking extra careful. I don't know. I'm just trying to trying to calm the masses. Yeah, maybe we're reading too much into that too, and you know, we're we're still a ways away from opening. I mean, there's there's a lot of time between now and opening day for that ankle to heal, but it certainly would would have hoped that it it would have been healed by now. That is a little concerning, but I I don't think we're at a point yet where we should freak out. You know what's going to happen at Cubs convention? He's going to be walking on the stage, and his foot is literally just going to fall off. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's, if he come, if he shows up to Cubs Con with some crutches, then then we can start panicking. Oh, the masses will start howling in fear <laughs> by what they see in front of them. <laughs> oh no! It, it'll be a it'll be a real travesty. But it, it seems like, in my opinion. Outside of that, at least for now, we're coming into this season pretty healthy. IU Darvish has obviously been healthy last year. You're not hearing anything about that. You hope Javi Baez is healthy. You haven't heard anything really negative there. Because remember, he had that hairline fracture. So it sounds like he's all right. It sounds like Brian's toe cakes. Remember, he was hurt. You forget how many people got injured. So unless we hear otherwise... Outside the Rizzo thing, it sounds like, it seems like everyone's going to be coming in pretty healthy. And I can't say this enough, health is very, very important to this team. They cannot afford a major injury this year with the roster they have as it is. Yeah, that's that's what's so scary is, you know, their their prospects for winning are already you know, pretty thin. And this team in the past couple of years has proven to be kind of fragile. Uh you know, Chris Bryant lingering injuries, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez. And, you know, even with all these guys completely healthy all year, it still is is questionable as to whether or not they can be the top team in the NL Central. So they, they really can't afford to lose anybody for an extended period of time. That is a big concern for sure. You know, it's pretty crazy. We had 2015 and 2016 Outside of the Schwarber ACL injury, the ligament tear, they had a pretty flawless bill of health. And, you know, now we've had a ton of injuries across the board the past two years. It's just amazing how things have changed. Remember, Schwarber missed all of the 2016 regular season. They still won 103 games. I just think that's crazy. I, I think those days are behind us, though. I mean, that's... That that team was was a, quite a bit more talented than what this roster is going to be. It was more talented. It had a lot more depth. Exactly, yeah. Top to it, bottom, they were just more complete than this roster is. And look, it played historically good. Their defensive runs saved were historically yeah. good. Top to bottom, the only maybe flawed part of that roster was the back end of the bullpen because... Hector Rondon did have some injury issues late and Pedro Strope did as well, but they pretty much were laboring on a role this Chapman by then. So it didn't make as much of a notable difference. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think we just have to accept the fact that, you know, it's, it's going to be kind of rough going for this team. There's, there's a lot like you said, there's a lot of things that could go wrong and for this team to actually go on a serious run, just about everything has to go right. And they've still got some areas of concern to fix up. It's going to be tough. And, and it, you know, something that we don't hear much about now, now that the news is, is kind of old news, but a, a lot of this is going to hinge on David Ross too, and his approach to all of this. And it's, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what different philosophies he has from Joe Madden and how he prepares his team for the season. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Well, yeah, I think uh, David Ross is in his first season trying to work a lot of things out. They don't have a bona fide leadoff man. He's going to try to work things out. We don't have a lot of knowledge about what David Ross is going to do because he hasn't done much. So there's a lot of mystery there. I I think one thing I could confidently say 
is that he will have the clubhouse in good shape. I could confidently say that. And you know what? I know the season hasn't even started. We haven't even gotten to Cubs Con, but I think there's been some fear that, oh, David Ross is going to turn into a media circus. It's early. We haven't had much time. But I just want to make note of this. There really hasn't been much involvement with David Ross in the media all offseason. Now, again, it was the quietest part in terms of actually talking to the players because it was the offseason. But like during the GM winter meetings, during uh, some of the weeks following when you hear from other managers, you hear from other people, you don't hear much from David Ross. We're starting to finally hear from him as CubsCon is approaching. I just think it's it's going to be very different. Because you hear you hear things from Joe Madden all the time. Joe Madden joined the score even though he the other week, even though he's no longer here. People are always talking to Joe Madden. It's going to be different with David Ross, not oh, only yeah. personality wise, but just I think the conversations that are had with him. Yeah, and you know, I don't I don't know where people get the notion that there's going to be a media circus. I mean, we we really haven't heard much from Ross at all since he was announced as manager. It's been pretty quiet on that front. It has. I'm not worried about that at all. I, I don't think that should be a concern for anyone. Yeah, I'm not worried about it either. I think there was the uh, issue or fear that he would become too buddy-buddy with them. But you know what? I think the opposite. In fact, I think, I think David Ross will be harder on his players than Joe Madden was. I don't think David you think Ross... So? Yes, I I believe so. Yeah, I, I it'll be interesting to see. I I'm not sold one way or the other on that. I think that's that's one thing that that just has to develop on its own before we really know because it is it's it's very different uh being buddies and then and managing your buddies. It, those are they're different worlds and sometimes it's hard for people to adapt to that. Uh so I, I think the jury's still out on that, but I, I, I'm not convinced that that's going to be a problem, though, either. Here's the way I look at it. David Ross earned the respect from all those players, not just by being their friend, but by being a leader, by being a mentor, by being someone to kind of get through everything, whether it was tough love or not. I mean, I just... I think there's just this falsified notion that in 2016, Grandpa was just Grandpa Rossi was this fun, cuddly, loving Grandpa figure. I I don't I don't think that's the way it really was. I mean, do you think John Lester got the respect of David Ross by him being a cuddly, fun Grandpa? I don't think so. I don't think so either. And I think that the, those are valid points. I think there's probably a lot of truth to what you're saying. Uh, for sure, if what the players say is true, then there is a lot of tough love there from David Ross. I still think it is a little bit different when you actually are the guy in charge and not just somebody that people look up to within sure. the organization. So it, it will be different because, I mean, you know, before you, you, you do what David Ross says because you respect him. Now you're taking orders from him because you have to, because you have no choice. And so the, those are different mindsets for everyone involved. But again, I, I think that I think that Ross has proven that that he can uh, bring down the hammer when he has to. I'm not worried about it. I, I just think that you know there's it's not set in stone one way or the other. I think this is, it's something that we'll see as the season goes along because you know he's a rookie manager and there's going to be learning involved for him. You know he's not going to. He's not going to come in and be perfect right away, I don't think. But you know, I don't think anybody thinks that. And, I mean, the other thing, too, is, I mean, you all made very good points, and those are very true. The other thing you have to keep in mind with a guy like David Ross is with Joe Madden, you had an age difference, a significant one with a number of these players. It's different now with David Ross because yeah. he's what, 40, 41 around there. Yeah. He's, he's early forties, early forties. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's only a few years older than like John Lester and some of those guys. It's not like 
Yeah, he's I mean, the that, same that, age as most of them, but it is yeah, a that, difference. That changes things too, yeah. Now, with David Ross being at the helm, this is just my opinion. But kind of going back to laying the hammer down, I'm not saying he's going to be screaming and telling them to run laps in practice and acting like the big tough gym teacher in middle school. I just think that, and again, this is just my opinion. I think what stuff we saw from Addison Russell last year between the words he said to the media, not knowing the signs and just the boneheaded plays, the, the errors, whatnot. I just, I don't think David Ross would tolerate that kind of stuff as much as Joe Madden did. I just, I don't see it. I don't think David would put up with that. I hope not. I mean, if the Cubs are going to be any kind of serious contenders this year, they can't have it. They just can't. Their defense needs to be a lot better. Their fundamentals need to be a lot better. I mean, one of the major contributing factors to last year's downfall is their fundamentals across the board were horrific. The base running was horrific. The defense was horrific. The basic instincts were horrific. Situational hitting, horrific. It was bad. All those, all those little things that go into the game, they, they were terrible. And it's weird that just a few years ago they won a World Series where they were historically good at that stuff. Yeah, I, it really is confusing because Joe Madden was always the kind of manager who drove home the importance of fundamentals. And these past couple of years, this last year especially, the Cubs were so poor with so many basic things, so many things that are just, it just comes down to mindset and whether or not you're mentally prepared for a game. It really was strange to see the team floundering as much as they were in those areas just because of how Joe Madden has always approached things. And I don't know if, you know, if his kind of quirky style had become stale with some of those players, but even if that's the case, that, that doesn't mean you forget about the fundamentals. But, right. But, yeah, I, I, I see David Ross being a huge fundamentals guy too, and so hopefully, hopefully that improves this year. You know, no matter who the manager is, it should improve simply because now the Cubs have seen what happens when you when you aren't mentally ready for every game. Sure, sure. And I don't want to say that I think the Cub house, clubhouse was a mess. Hey, you could call it clubhouse. Huh? I don't want to say it was a mess. I don't want to say it was in disarray. I don't want to say Joe Madden had suddenly lost everyone. But I still can't help but wonder if something was going on in there that we didn't know about, because we just, when we saw a lot of regression with the fundamentals and you looked at all the distractions that were going around with the franchise since that off season before last year, I just, I can't help it. There's something we just didn't know about that kind of really threw things out of whack. That could, I mean, that could always be true. Yeah. It could be, it could not be. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but it makes you wonder. That's all I'm going to say. It makes you wonder. We don't know what goes on behind those doors. No. We have no idea. Could be anything. You know? So Cubs kind of be interesting. We'll see what people have to say during that. I have a little game for us to play. A little game. And I didn't tell you anything about this game, so it's a surprise. So, written down, I have key free agents who have left the Cubs since the World Series. So, the 2016-2017 offseason and onward. Here's what we're going to do. Since Theo Epstein is starting to get under fire a little more, which I think there are some good reasons for that, we're going to look at some of these free agents and look and say, did they really get away or was Theo right to let them go? Okay. Here's the criteria. We're not talking about players traded away. We're not going to talk about players who didn't play the season afterwards, even if it was a minor league deal. They had to have at least been involved in major league baseball the next year. Uh, You know, If they did miss and it was all because of injury, well, that's more of an injury reason, not like a retirement reason or like they really fell off reason. 
And we're not going to go through every single free agent. We're talking about key guys that were part of the team in that particularly ter- uh, bleh, words particular year. All right. Okay. So I think the rules are pretty clear. Let's get started. So I have four key guys written down. And if you think of another one, please shout out. I kind of put this together last minute. Okay. Dexter Fowler, Jason Hamill, Travis Wood, or Roldis Chapman. Those four guys right there all left after that year. Now, I'm trying to remember with Jason. I think Travis Wood was traded away. So I put his name on there. I can't really remember. Again, I put this together last minute. But we know Dexter Fowler left via free agency. Jason Hamill went to the Kansas City Royals. Our oldest Chapman re-signed with the Yankees. While I do a quick look at Travis Wood, because I am going to double check that, uh, let's just start with Dexter Fowler. Okay. We uh, we know it's been a black hole at the leadoff spot, so let's hear your, yeah. your thoughts first. Well, Dexter Fowler is a tough one because if you, you look at his numbers in Chicago and then you look at his numbers over the course of his three seasons in St. Louis, there's a really steep drop-off in St. Louis. And so the question is whether or not he's just declining as a player as he gets older or if the change of scenery hurt him and if you believe that staying with the Cubs would have benefited his playing. Personally, I think he's just a player exiting his prime and this drop-off was was going to come sooner or later. So, I mean, I don't want to say that letting him go was the right move because I think he gelled really well with this team. I would have... I would have liked to have seen him stuck around a little bit longer. Having said that, I think he would be too expensive uh, of a gamble for that. So I, I guess I'll hesitantly say that it was the right call to uh, to let him go. Uh, I I would not have, have vied too hard to, to bring him back. I think he would have costed a lot more than, than the production that they would have actually gotten out of him. Yeah, so St. Louis, his overall numbers, 233, 335, 410. Last year, he batted 238, but he had a 346 on base. 2017, he had a 363 on base and 851 slugging. So he hit more home runs, but you look at the average and the on base numbers and just the overall war as a player. He was definitely at his best in 2016 with the Cubs. And I think it is fair to say that his peak years were with the Cubs, those two years. Do I think Dexter Fowler would still be useful on this team? Yeah. Do I think he'd be better here than he was in St. Louis? I kind of think so. I just don't think he was the best fit in St. Louis. He was a perfect fit here. With St. Louis, he's kind of moved around in the order a lot and on the field. So it wasn't as clear cut there. But yeah, he was expensive, and I think at the time we all expected him to take money elsewhere. So it's one of those things where I say, yeah, it would have been nice to bring him back, but I kind of understood why they didn't give him a contract, so that's where I'm going to leave that. Um, And by the way, Travis Wood was a free agent. He also signed with the Royals. Jason Hamill, Travis Wood, we could kind of lump these two together. Um, Obviously, Travis Wood is no longer in the league. He had some injuries and some struggles. I think the Cubs pretty much milked what they could out of Travis Wood, so I'm not going to really hold it against him there. Same with Jason Hamill. They really haven't done much since they left the Cubs, so I'm not going to gripe too much about that. But I can acknowledge that Hamill and Wood were both good pieces for the Cubs over the last those last few years. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Hamill's overall numbers uh, for the 2016 season, his last year in Chicago. Not bad at all, but I think if you look a little deeper at the peripherals and you could see that that he was obviously starting to unravel a little bit his game. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think the timing was was pretty much perfect on Hamill. Yeah, I agree. And I think I think you could say the same with Travis Wood, too. Yeah, I would agree. So now we get to a role this Chapman, and I think we're all in agreement here. He wasn't coming back. He was never going to come back. He never wanted to come back. And it was, he was as definition of a rental as you get. And he was paid a lot of money. And it's not like he suddenly stinks now. But for a guy who is simply a thrower, 
than like a pitcher. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of money to invest for a type of guy like that. So, yeah, I, I don't think there was really any way he was going to come back either way. So you can't hold that against the front office. No, I mean, and he made it. I, I, I don't think he even really tried to hide the fact that he was planning on going back to New York. No. As soon as he was a free agent. Uh, and he's still a, a very, very good bullpen guy. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's not, he's not quite as good as he was. You see him hit 99 a lot more often than you used to. He used to be triple digits just about every time he threw a fastball. Not really the case anymore. He misses his spots a lot more often now than, than he did. He gives up more home runs than he used to. And honestly, the guy's just kind of a head case. I don't really care for his general attitude. Uh, I'm not that disappointed to to see Aroldis Chapman not on the Cubs. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I'd be lying if I said I'm kind of glad also he wasn't the one that got the final out. Yeah, it sounds weird, but I just yeah, it it seemed like he really did not enjoy being a Cub at all. And I know Joe Madden used him in ways that he wasn't used to. and, And he didn't he didn't like pitching in more than one inning coming in in the eighth. I get that, but I I, just, I think he really disliked his time in Chicago, and it was oh, so I it agree. was it was never going to be a longer relationship than that. Yep, I agree. So there's not really much you can do there. Those are really the big free agent notables. You know, we could throw in Chris Coglin, I guess, but Chris Coglin was kind of on his way out. Yeah. You know what? Chris Coughlin was a very, very nice piece for the Cubs for a couple of years. He I was. really liked him. People forget he was he was rookie of the year, his his rookie year. Yeah, he was AL rookie of the year, yeah. Or no M- NL, NL. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. With Florida. Right. I mean, you look what he did in twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen, really productive stuff. And then he came back to the Cubs, played forty eight games with the Cubs in twenty sixteen, won a World Series with them. He had an OBP of three ninety one. Yeah, I was president of the the Chris Coughlin fan club there for a while. Unfortunately, after that, he only played in 36 MLB games with Toronto. He did eventually come back and sign a minor league deal here, but it's pretty clear that his his major league playing days were behind him. But yeah, you got to hand it to him for really coming out and giving it all he did for the Cubs in those several years he was here. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah, absolutely. So those are really the ones for 2016 that were notable. We go to 2017, and the list gets a little longer and a little more significant, I think. So 2017, after that season ended, key free agents we lost. Jake Arrieta was the biggest one. Wade Davis was another really big one. John Jay. Rene Rivera. Alex Avila. Hector Rondon, I guess you could count John Lackey, but his career was over anyway, so you kind of can, kind of can't. Those are the ones I could really think of. Uh, Miguel Montero was DFA'd, obviously, so that doesn't count. Justin Grimm, I believe, was DFA'd as well, and he really started to struggle at the end there. Koji Uihara was solid that year, but... That was his last year in the big leagues. He was 42 years old. So I'm going to stick with that initial list I had. Let's start with Jake Arrieta, because I think there was a lot of frustration over them not keeping him. And I am as big of a Jake Arrieta fan as you will find. I think it was best to go with Darvish and not Arrieta. I'm going to stand by that. Oh, 100%. I think... I think it's it's more of a sure bet that you're going to get a good season out of Darvish than Arietta right now. Arietta's another guy where I, I think the timing of that relationship it, it ended at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what he's done in Philly, and we all had our, our 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 worries about whether or not this would happen. The peripherals were showing that he was dropping off a little bit. Uh, and the bottom line is he was just going to be way, way too expensive. Uh, I mean, do you think Philly believes it's worth it right now? I, I mean, for what they're paying him and what for what they've gotten? I mean, and, I don't and that's, think so. That's pretty much what everybody expected. And right. So 
and I, I wanted Arietta to be a long-term cub as much as anybody else, but for the right price. And it, it, at this point in time, it really looks like they made the right call letting him walk. Remember, he was offered a big deal kind of as a last formality before they went with Darvish. So that would have been paying similar Darvish money to Arietta. His time in Philly so far, 426 CRA, a 453 FIP, a whip of 1.4. Yeah, that's, and the strikeout numbers have really dipped too. Yeah, that's you don't give elite money for those numbers. No, so the, they they made the right call. Because I think what we saw from Darvish in the second half was a glimpse of what Darvish still has, and you know I, I think that's where I'm going to put my trust right now. I, I get Arietta was a great part of this team. He deserves to be remembered as one of the great Cubs that helped them win a championship for a very long time. He did historically great things from 2014 to 2016. But look, 2017, we saw the start of the decline. The numbers were yeah. still pretty good. The FIP was above four, though. The FIP was above four. The WHIP was 1.2. After spending years of having a one or less WHIP, the strikeouts were going down a little, not terrible but a little the walks were starting to go back up a little bit it wasn't as dramatic but you just saw little things decline and it's continued to decline as he went to philly i don't like seeing him struggle in philly but the reality is you know that's where we're at it's just kind of the nature of the business that sometimes you have to sever ties with guys that you've gotten an emotional attachment to because of the you know your history right just the way it goes unfortunately so another big one is Wade Davis, and I think Wade Davis deserves to be remembered as one of the best closers we've had in a long time, because his one season with the Cubs, he was lights out fantastic. I mean, the guy blew one save all year. He was really good. And yeah. you know what? Even if it was one season, you take that one season. They wouldn't have made it as far as they did in 2017 without him. No, definitely not. I would have so, liked to have seen Wade Davis on the Cubs a little longer, but he, he's another one that dropped off after he left. Right. Now, sure, Coors Field and all that. The year after, 2018, he had a 413 ERA, but he still saved 43 games. He had a FIP of 365, a whip of 1.1, strikeouts per nine of 10.7. The walks actually went down. So, yeah, that would have been nice to have in 2018. They went with Brandon Morrow instead. Last year, though, 865 ERA, 556 fifth, 15 saves. He blew three, but he didn't have as many opportunities, 42 and two-thirds innings. He's 34 now. He's 34. And when the Rockies brought him in, uh, they signed him to a lot of money. He made $18 million last year and $16 million the year before. Set to make $17 million this year. Looks like he's got a mutual option and a $1 million bio for 2021. See, I feel like you could have gone either way there, but that is a lot of money for a reliever that is aging. I mean, that's just the matter of the fact is he's getting older. And the, his days in Kansas City where they were historically good, those are behind him. We know that. Yeah, he, he was he was never going to replicate that. Not not in the future, anyway. <laughs> so I think you could kind of give that one a I-could-see-either-way type thing. Yeah, I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that one. So we have guys now like John Jay, Alex Avila, Rene Rivera, Hector Rondon. I think... Just to kind of go through these this list quicker because they're not as big names. I really liked John Jay. I think they should have done more to improve the position he played afterwards. Um, I, I think he did a really good job for what he was asked for in his one year. So I don't think we're going to sit here and say, oh, you know, they declined because they missed John Jay. That's not the reason. But I think it's fair to say that they should have done a better job upgrading the position that he was left vacant they put their trust in Albert Almora, and in the long run, it didn't work. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think Almora can be 
a, a serviceable guy in that role, uh, but he still has to prove that. Obviously, it hasn't worked out yet. Uh, yeah, John Jay, you know, as with most other teams in the league, John Jay is just a temporary solution for for the league. But yeah, I, I, you know, John Jay was not crucial to the Cubs by any stretch, but they they certainly did need to do a better job uh, filling that role than they did. So then we got Hector Rondon, who was really one of the most underrated relievers during his early years with the Cubs from 2014 to 2016. The dude had a 2.44 ERA, a 2.76 FIP, a WHIP of 1.014, a base on ball per nine under two, and a strikeouts per nine of 9.3. In 2015, he was particularly good. He had a 167 ERA that year. Like he did a very good job in his role. Yeah, that Hector Rondon. I think that losing the closer's job is what hurt him. So sure. much in Chicago, I think that you know more than losing his his skill set as a pitcher declining. I think it was more of a mental thing when he lost the closer spot. Uh, he was pretty. He was actually really good with Houston in 2018. Uh, yes, he not was. bad last year either. But then again, you know there's there's some controversy around why players are performing so well in Houston. Obviously, that doesn't apply to Hector Rondon. As far as we know, maybe they've got some way that pitchers are cheating too. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think Hector Rondon could have had a longer relationship with the Cubs. Uh, it just didn't work out that way. And so, yeah, again, I, I think it was mostly a mental thing with Rondon. Yeah, it could have been because 2017, he really struggled that year. And I think the fear was that they kind of milked the best out of him because he was a two-pitch pitcher. And we don't always see those kind of guys last. But yeah, you look at 2018, he was pretty good and he bounced back pretty well. He wasn't an everyday closer, but he did have a nice role in the bullpen. Uh, so yeah, I can understand that. And the last guys I listed, Rene Rivera, Alex Avila, veteran catchers, they were really brought in to help at the time. They did what they were supposed to do. Temporary. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They they were temporary, so I don't think you could really harp much on that. So then we get to 2018, and the list here is not very long, to say the least. You got Daniel Murphy, Justin Wilson, and Jesse Chavez. First, I want to ask you quickly, are there any guys on that list that you think absolutely should have been brought back? No. Okay. That's kind of how I feel. Yeah. Jesse Chavez was great, but I think a lot of people saw the regression. Right. The regression light was really flashing. Justin Wilson had a really weird tenure as a Cub, really struggled when he came over. 2018, the overall numbers were a lot better but I don't think people really wanted to risk bringing him back after the walk issues. So yeah, can't say. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think that it was, it was, it was time for all those guys that there's, there's not really any of them that I thought could have worked out long-term. No, Daniel Murphy. That was another just purely rental guy. Yeah. Nothing, nothing more. And it was just honest, weird seeing him in a Cubs uniform, too. It was just plain weird. Yeah, and I still didn't really... I still, I just saw that guy on the Mets who tortured the Cubs all those years the, in that NLCS. And really, when you think about it, it was really a lot of years he tortured the Cubs. It was just really escalated in 2015. Because I remember even before that, all those years on the Mets, he always hit well against us. And then the playoffs, it was like, oh my God, he'll just always be that... Cubs killer who I grind my teeth when I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did not want to get used to seeing that. Neither did I. Neither did I. And I guess if you count this year, not a lot. I think the biggest one is Cole Hamels. We don't know what's going to happen with Ben Zobrist yet. We saw Steve Ciszek go to the White Sox. I really liked Cole Hamels. But I also think it made sense not to give him the money just with his with the aging. And you saw how the injury affected him last year. He was really dang good as a Cub, but I understood not bringing Mm -hmm. him back. 
I did too, especially given the Cubs' financial stress. Right. And then Steve Ciszek, kind of feel the same way. Ciszek, I wouldn't have mind keeping. I don't think it would have been bad to keep him. I'm just not overly devastated that we lost him. Don't get me wrong, I really liked him, but... We saw things kind of trend the wrong way last year. The FIP yeah. was high. The walks were high. I wouldn't have minded bringing him back, but again, I, I'm not going to be too upset that he's gone. But I do appreciate his time as a Cub. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not overly upset about it either. That's that, He is one guy that I would have liked to have seen them try to keep for another year or two, though, you know, if he wasn't going to be too expensive, but... You know, I, I'm I'm really not that upset about it either. Right, Derek Holland. Yeah, you can go. Bye. Don't, yeah. Yeah. Don't really miss that. Brandon Kinsler, I believe, is still a free agent. So maybe he'll be back. Maybe not. I don't know. Pedro Strope is still a free agent. So you can't really say there for sure if he's they're going to come back or not. And that that's really about it. I mean, Tony Kemp was traded. Jonathan Lucroy is going to be a free agent, but you know he's not coming back. They just needed uh, kind of a third catcher at the end of last year. So wherever he goes, it's probably not going to be here. I don't even know if he's signed anywhere. He's still a free agent according to baseball reference. So, yeah, I'm not going to really count that. That's really that's really all there is. Yeah. That's... Is there anyone else you could think of? No, I think we pretty much knocked it all out there. Yeah. So there you go. So you can see discussing some of those guys we lost to free agency. There were reasonable reasons, so to speak, <laughs> to move on. I, I couldn't think of anything better to say. I'm sorry. There were reasons to move on for most of those guys. And it's easy to look back and say they could have, they shouldn't have. But at the time... Losing most of those guys made sense. I mean, going back to 2016, do you ever remember seeing a guy leave that people were really upset about outside maybe Dexter Fowler and Jake Arrieta? Uh, I don't know. That's that's kind of tough. Like, I didn't see anyone saying, oh, I can't believe they moved on from him. I can't believe they got rid of him. Yeah, sometimes you hear that about Wade Davis. Sometimes you hear that about Dexter Fowler. Sometimes you hear that uh, about Jake Arrieta. But I think at this point, we look at most of those guys and saying, yeah, they contributed for us, but they moved on for good reason or at least reasonable reason at the time. I think so, too. I mean, some guys more than others, I wouldn't have minded, you know, giving it a shot. But that really wasn't the the situation they were in. They were going to get paid and... You have to evaluate whether or not it's worth it or not. I, I think they made the right call on just about all those guys. There are a couple that I wouldn't have minded seeing stick around a while longer, but overall, I, I think they they pretty much got it right. Yeah, and I think one of the gripes, or many of the gripes, I should say, that I have and other people have is not as much letting people walk in free agency. It's who they traded away, but that's a whole other story. That wasn't the part of this. We were just talking about basically the guys that left in free agency that still played in some form afterwards. Because obviously David Ross doesn't count because he retired. John Lackey retired and others kind of unofficially retired and then try to play in the minors and didn't make it back to the big leagues. So you can do a number of guys, but you really wanted to look at the guys who still either contributing now or are still at least playing on a team now, whether they're contributing well or not. And we may miss a guy or two, but those are the ones that really come to mind I, to me. I think we got, yeah, all the big ones. Right. You could go on further back several years, but that's not the point. We wanted to do since the World Series win. So a fun little game there, and uh, that pretty much takes us to the end of the show. We could spend a few minutes talking about the Astros. I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to say with all the charges coming out, basically saying here are the punishments, yeah. whatnot. I mean, see, it's Maybe they we... got caught. They're getting punished, and all this stuff is coming out. It's just a, a mess right now. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see this time next week if there's any more uh, truth to the, the buzzer rumors. If so, then then I think more has to be done. I mean, this is this whole thing is getting absolutely ridiculous. And I'm almost to the point where I think that the Astros should have their title stripped and just have – I don't think it should go to the Dodgers – I just think there should be no World Series champion for 2017. I mean, this is, I don't want to say it's like Black Sox level scandal stuff, but it, it's going to be up there as one of the more well-known stains on baseball. You know what's really weird is how I was recently saying how we probably don't see scandals like this anymore, like a year or so ago because of the way technology has evolved, the way people observe things, the way we can figure out things. It was really easy to hide things back in 1919. You didn't have television. You didn't have computers with cameras everywhere. Mm -hmm. You didn't have constant media coverage at every single square space of the building and their training facilities and whatnot. But here we are. Here we are. What's really... Boy, it, you, I mean, you don't really think about it or notice it in the moment, but I saw it circulating on Twitter today video of Jose Altuve coming home after rounding the bases, hitting a home run, and yelling at his teammates not to tear his jersey off and covering his jersey up so they don't rip it off. In hindsight, why? He's wearing a wire! Why? Why? Why would he do that? If there if there was no if the if there's no truth to the buzzer thing, what is what's going through his mind right there? Why? We've seen his shirt get torn off in other instances. There's video proof of it. He's not suddenly he's suddenly scared now that he doesn't want his shirt torn off. I don't think so. And there was also a photo circulating of Josh Reddick. Who knows if it's doctored or not. Uh, or, or what the case is, but it, it certainly looks like he's got wires taped to his chest. Yeah, there's... Look, when you've been caught cheating in multiple instances, any accusation has to be taken seriously. You can't just brush oh, it off. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I... Personally, I would. I kind of wanted to see Hinch and Cora get banned for life. I don't think that'll happen. But I also don't think they're going to get hired as managers ever either. I think that that ship has now sailed for them. Maybe they work in baseball in some capacity. I don't think they'll ever manage again. Probably yeah. the same goes for Beltron. Yeah, it's it's hard to imagine, and it's it's crazy because Beltron never got a chance to manage. Yeah, that's the most Mets thing ever, isn't it? They're paying for something another team did, basically. Yeah, see, that's that's the thing. And I, I went back and forth in my mind as to whether or not players on those teams should be banned, too, or suspended. And that would probably be unfair to, to the teams that signed some of those guys as free agents that they didn't know. So right. I don't know that you can go that far, but... I do think that if this is all that happens, then the Astros got off easy. Yeah, there's a lot of debate over the degree of punishment. I mean, I think they should have lost more draft picks, in my personal opinion. I think uh, I do too, because the I mean the the whole thing is, is is having a punishment harsh enough to incentivize teams to play clean. Well, you know, maybe hopefully this incident will say, look, we're watching really close, so. If you think you could hide it now, good luck. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think for the foreseeable future, we'll, we'll, we'll see less of that. But maybe once this all blows over, teams will start getting crafty with their cheating again. But, you know, that's an unfortunate part of life is that cheating happens a lot and you don't necessarily know it all the time. But, man, the... This whole thing just keeps getting deeper and deeper as the days go on, and like, who knows what comes out about the Astros tomorrow. I know. It seems like every day we're learning something new. It makes me really sad, too, if, if the buzzer thing is true, because I really, really liked Jose Altuve. I'd hate for this to be true. Say it ain't so, Jose. Yeah. You know that famous line from Eight Men Out? Yeah. Say it ain't so. 
That's how I feel. I loved his whole story about it, how he's how he got into the league and then becoming a superstar. This this would just ruin it all. Yeah, it really would. It's it's too bad. But we'll guess guess we'll see what happens as time goes on. But for now, we're out of time on this show. Adam, as always, I want to thank you for coming on. And as everyone listening, I want to thank you for listening. Just a reminder, you can check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You can also check out their Twitter page at Cubby's Crib. Check them out. They post all the works that the people at the uh, website do. You can also check out this podcast at itunes.com and also the Twitter page and the Facebook page. So check out all the Cubby's Crib stuff online. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.